0: There we go. You know, that was, uh, that was a pre-game speech from, from the great coach Norman Dale in one of my favorite movies of all time, Hoosiers. How many of you know Hoosiers, right? Indiana basketball. Um, that always gets me fired up. That gets you fired up? Not really. You know, last week's message and today's message you know, it's it's kinda like it's kinda like a pre-game speech, right? And and these messages specifically are for our church body, okay, and, and our team, our family, to prepare us for this upcoming ministry season to inspire us to win. And you know, just like in sports, the church and King's Corner has a goal to win. Who can say what our goal to win is? Who, who can say what the win is for King's Corner Church? I got Tim Horton's card for anyone who can say the win. Jesus. Okay, okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit Murray saying it first. Making disciples who make disciples. The win for us is making followers of Jesus who are going to live in everything that Jesus provided us on the cross. That's the win. That's the win for us, right? And that's the win for King's Corner, for the church, okay? How many of you know that there's a cost to the win? That there's, there's sacrifices and there's efforts, that each of us is going to have to make if we want to reach our potential and fulfill God's plans for King's Corner. And last week we talked about <clears throat> two of those efforts. The first one, Brother Bridal referenced already, choosing to be unselfish. Choosing to put God and others before ourselves. And the heart of an unselfish person will always be he must become greater, I must become less. Turn to your neighbor and say he must become greater. Turn to another neighbor and say I must become less. So number 1 was choosing to be unselfish. That was actually all I asked you to say, not not I didn't say start a conversation just repeat after me so number one choosing to be unselfish number two is love intentionally love intentionally how many of you know that this is not a suggestion from from the Lord okay but we're commanded to love intentionally John 13 34 Jesus said so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you you should love each other Okay, and we talked about loving intentionally a couple different ways. One of them was making new friends. Making friends and learning names. Raise your hand if you learned someone's name today. Raise your hand. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. That makes me so excited. You have no idea. Okay. And how many of you greeted a person this week uh, by their name that you learned last week? Raise your hand. Okay, not, not as good, but that's okay. That's okay, we're getting there. Okay. Um, and so intentionally make friends, and we also talked about intentionally forgiving. At King's Corner, we don't choose to pick up offense. How many of you know there's gonna be lots of opportunities to pick up offense at church? Okay, okay. Uh, But we choose to forgive because at King's Corner, we intentionally clothe ourselves with love. With love. Hallelujah. So today, we're going to talk about a third must to reach in our potential. And that is to be committed. Choose to be unselfish, love intentionally, and be Committed, Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your presence in this place. I thank you for being faithful, for being here again and again and again, for loving on us again and again and again. And now, God, I just pray that that we're just going to continue in your presence. We're going to continue. In relationship with you, we're gonna to continue to, to be aware of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna to continue to hear your voice now in Jesus' name. And I just pray that you know no matter what what no matter what I say here today, that we're gonna hear your voice in Jesus' name. All of you, Lord, all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first thing to understand about commitment is God's expectation of our level of commitment, okay? And I often illustrate this with breakfast, and I I know some of you have heard me say this before. How many of you had bacon and eggs this morning? Raise your hand. How many of you had bacon and eggs? A couple people. Okay, okay. Okay, so so the chicken participated in your breakfast. The pig was committed. Is that true? The chicken participated. The pig was committed. He gave his life, that poor delicious pig. And so that's the level of commitment that God expects from us as a church. Look at Romans 12 and verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational act of worship. We're called to be a living sacrifice. God expects us to offer our life as a sacrifice to the Lord. This is our reasonable act of worship for everything that God's done for us, amen? So God's not asking us to do anything that he wasn't first willing to do. That that was God's commitment to us, amen? All of you online, I'm pointing to the cross. That's God's commitment to us. He laid down his life for us, and now he asks us to do the same for him, except a living sacrifice. Okay, and so in order for us to reach our potential as a church body, we need to commit. And 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 I'm gonna talk about three specific areas that we need to commit to today. Okay, the first one is attendance. We need to commit to attendance. It's not very sexy, I agree. I agree. But we're going to we're going to just get through it here, okay? So I want to look at a couple scriptures here, Hebrews 10 and 1 Corinthians 12. Okay? So Hebrews 10:25 says, "Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near." Okay? So the the first reason We need to be committed to attending church is because we're told to. It's because He said so. Right? It's a matter of obedience to the Word of God. God believes it's important that we come together regularly to encourage each other. Okay? Should that be enough? Should should that be enough? I think so. God said so. Okay, here's another reason we need to commit to attending church. It's because we are so much more effective as a complete one body of Christ. So much more effective. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It's the same with Christ. Christ. See, all of us represent different parts of the body of Christ. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been miraculously created on purpose for a purpose. We all have different purposes, gifts, and abilities. That means that we matter. That means we're all important. The body, because we bring a function to the body that someone else doesn't. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 17 to 21. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange. A body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Look at verse 21 the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other to be complete and effective in how we function. We can't function properly as a church if we're all the bee's knees. I just really wanted to put bee's knees (laughs) into my sermon. And we can't function properly if we're missing feet and elbows and wrists and fingers. So in the church, in the body of Christ, we need all the parts of the body to be effective. It's going to be very difficult for us to get the win without all the parts. At King's Corner Church, we need all the parts. We need all of you. All the people that are called to be here need to be here to be effective and to reach our potential and get the win. Here's some stats for you, okay? So King's Corner, Sunday morning, in-person average attendance for 2023 so far is 142 people on a Sunday. So Sunday morning, in-person attendance, we average about 142. That's 61% of our church body. If we add the online attendance, we're we're, uh, about 65% of our church body, okay? Now, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. That's not what this is about. Okay, but we need to consider, I think this is fair, we need to consider how effective can we be as a body functioning at 61% on a Sunday morning. Right, and I think that information is very helpful for us to know and to be aware of. I'll tell you right now, as a basketball coach, if I had 61% attendance in my practices and games, we're not gonna win many games. Okay? Is this, is this fair? Is this reasonable? Okay, and so, so I'm not trying to, to, to make you feel bad if you're not here all the time. I'm trying to challenge you to understand how important you are to the win, you are so important to the win. Amen. Each and every one of us is so important to the win. Okay, and I also want to just challenge you: What kind of a church goer are you? That's something that I think it's important for us to think about once in a while. What kind of a church goer are you? I think generally there's there's you know three types, and you can find a million lists of different types of church goers. But I'm just going with these three basic types. First one's like a healthy habit churchgoer, right? So, so the healthy habit churchgoer kind of sees church as, as <clears throat> something you do uh, like going to the gym, right? It's a healthy habit. It's something that's good to do, okay? But, but what most people, uh, you know, what happens to most people when it comes to going to the gym is they realize or they start to think, "Well, the gym kind of demands too much of me, and then I don't, and then we don 't make it a priority okay has, has anyone ever been there before okay right and, and so that 's the same with that healthy church goer, and so they they do believe church is important, and they might they might even uh, communicate that to their children right and, and teach their children that church is important. But then once their children get older and realize that church isn't a priority for mom and dad, now it's not gonna be a, a priority for them. And, and, so, um, and so for this churchgoer, everything takes priority over church on a Sunday morning. Everything else takes priority for, for, uh, over church on a Sunday morning, right? The kids' sports activities take priority. Watching football takes priority. The weather takes part, not just when it's raining or snowing, but even when it's sunny and warm. Because now it's golf season, now it's lake season, now it's—you know—anything better than going to church season, okay? And and so, how many of you ever heard of that term, the creasters? What's a creaster? It's some of those some of those people that only go to church on Christmas and Easter. And I would probably put creasters. I'd probably throw priesters into this category of the healthy habit, right? right? And, and they do believe church is an important thing. It's just, it's not a priority, okay? Then there's the favorite restaurant church goer, right? And so they, church, they see church as, as their favorite restaurant. So it's a place that they like to go to regularly to gather with friends, talk about life, support each other, and eat some really good spiritual food that someone else provides them. Okay so the the favorite restaurant churchgoer just like a restaurant they're there to be served and entertained. And, and so for this churchgoer, you know, it's a favorite place to gather, but it has no impact on how they live the rest of their lives. And once they leave here, it's kind of back to to their everyday life. That's that's like that restaurant mentality. And so you know, with every with every church there's I would say there's what I'd call the fringe, the fringe, right? And it's just kind of, it's kind of people that are, are not really committed to attending, serving, and giving. Um, they're, they're just satisfied with the one or two friends that they have at church. They're not looking to, to join a family or be a part of a family or, or you know, connect relationally. They're not passionate about the mission, vision, trying to become a disciple of Jesus. But church is kind of more of a social club. I'd say those the fringe would kind of fit into that category of of churchgoer. And then there's the churchgoer that loves God. They just love God. Right, and this churchgoer has a passion for the house of God. and, and, And David describes this passion in Psalm 27. I think David wrote this. One thing I ask of the Lord this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, this, this churchgoer is going to be here whenever they can be here. They're committed to the house of God because they just love God. And please understand, this is not a legalistic thing. We're not laying down a bunch of rules here. This isn't about punching a time card or, or clocking in or, or trying to have perfect attendance. That's not what this is. But this is just a heart thing. It's just a heart thing. That as the deer pants for water, oh, my soul pants for you, Lord. It's just a heart thing. That God, your presence is better than, than, than a thousand days somewhere else. One day in the Lord. Right? It's a heart thing. Now I really believe that is the culture of Kings Corner. I think we got a lot of people here that just love God. Would you agree with that? And that's the church that's going to make a difference. That's the church that's going to get the win. So number one, we need to commit to attendance. Number two is, is we need to commit to giving followers of Jesus give thank you followers of Jesus give please understand when i when i when i say give i'm not talking about giving your time and i'm not talking about giving your talents that's called Serving. Serving does not disqualify you from giving. Just like giving of your finances does not disqualify you from serving. Okay. I love it when it gets quiet. I just love that. <laughs> it's just so. It's so encouraging, and it just makes you want to go more. And so please understand, we're called to both serving and giving of our finances. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, last book of the, the Old Testament there. This is, this is God speaking through the prophet to his people. This is God speaking to us. Malachi chapter 3. We're just going to read a couple verses. Let's start at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But You say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offering. Let's go to verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The first thing I want us to see here in verse eight is God calls us to bring the tithe. And and I really believe that's significant because, because he doesn't say give the tithe, but he says bring the tithe. And I think he says bring the tithe because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You can't gift something that doesn't belong to you. So I borrow... Uh, Sean's lawnmower and when I give it back to him I'm not gifting it back to him. (laughs) I'm bringing it back to him. I'm not expecting Sean to be so impressed and oh thank you so much Brett. This is incredible. Thank you for this. No. I'm going to be thanking him when I bring it back. Right? Because he let me have it. Okay, and, and that is actually absolutely the attitude that we should have with the tithe. Your tithe is actually not a gift, but you're just returning to God what's already his, and we say thank you in that process. It's not a begrudging thing, but we're a cheerful giver, right? So we, we're thankful to God in that process of giving to him what's his, because he's letting us keep 90% of what is his. And so Psalm 89, 11 says, The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it. You have founded and established them. Repeat after me. God owns it all. God owns it all. And if God owns everything, Oh, sorry, you don't have to repeat. You know what? I'm just trying to be dramatic with the pause and you guys thought I was pausing for you to say that. Sorry. So, so here's an important life point. If God owns everything, that means we own nothing. Everything we have in our possession is his. I love this scripture in Psalm 50. For all the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. This is God speaking. And verse 12 is my favorite. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. So God's saying... God's saying, if I did need anything, I'm not going to ask you. Because you own nothing. And I own everything. Right? I think that's, God says, humor. I really do. I think that's really funny. Okay? And so I talk about this. Every single time I talk about giving... Because until we understand that we are just managers of his money, we won't be able to bring the tithe. If we think we're we're the owners of the money, we're not going to be able to bring the tithe. But if we understand that we're managers, then we'll be able to bring the tithe. I'm not going to say that. And I'm not going to say that. No, I, I think the Lord doesn't want me to say it, actually. Some of you are like, come on, you can, we, can, we can take it. No, that's not a good idea. Okay, I just feel like God's saying, move on. So, so here's, here's the question then. If God owns everything, if God owns everything, he clearly doesn't need our money. Is that true? He doesn't need our money. So why does he ask for it? Okay, and I want to talk about two reasons. Okay, and the first one is this. He wants us to love and trust him more than we love and trust money. That's number one. That's number one. How many of you know who Jehovah Jireh is? He's God, our provider. God is our provider. Money is not your provider. Your job is not your provider. Okay? God is our provider. He wants us to love the Father more than we love money. You tell me, what does the Bible say is the root of all evil? It's the love of money. So God knows that when we learn how to bring the tithe, that that protects us from the love of money. It protects us from making money an idol in our lives that we worship and that we love more than God. Anything we love more than God is an idol in our life. So that's number one. Here's another reason when we don't give, it robs God of an opportunity to bless his kids. Right? God says, God says, You've robbed me. This this is what we've robbed him of. We've robbed him of opportunity to bless us. Um, How many of you are familiar with Robert Morris? Pastor Robert Morris, some of you. Um, One of my favorite stories about this, this principle of giving, is is the story that Pastor, Pastor Morris tells about how God wanted him to understand that, that God was his supply and not his, his ministry. And so he already had, you know, a fairly big ministry. It was growing. I mean, it's substantially bigger now, but it was growing. And uh, his, his name was becoming quite big. He's invited to speak lots of places. And he would often, they would say, what is, you know, how much is it going to cost to get you here? And he would say, well, I require this much money as an honorarium. And um, God told him, I want you to stop saying that. Okay? Because that's not your, that speaking gig is not your provision. I'm your provision. So stop asking for honorariums. And so he did that. And so a a church, quite a a big church, asked him to come and speak. And they said, what does it require for, you know, how much it going to cost for you to come? And he said, I don't require an honorarium. And so this pastor of this church was really impressed by that. So he, he got up and told everyone, Pastor Robert Morris is here, um, and, and it's on his own dime, and he doesn't require an honorarium to be here today. And that offering, uh, uh, sorry, that church took up an offering for Pastor Morris. That offering, okay, um, was able to pay. It was so big, it could pay for his entire staff of 60 people and all of his office expenses for one month that's how big this offering was and so you know this is pretty awesome so he's walking out of the church and there was a missionary there that presented that day and he felt God say I want you to give that offering to that missionary and he promptly rebuked Satan (laughs) and you get behind me devil And, and, and then God's like, no, this is me. And I want you to give this offering. So he kind of went back and forth with God a little bit. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know how we feel like we have to explain things to God because he's, sometimes God doesn't get it. And we're like, God, I don't think you understand. This is going to pay for, you know, anyway, went back and forth with God. And eventually he said, okay, I'm going to do it. So he went over to the missionary. He said, I want to give you this offering uh, on two conditions uh, don't tell anyone that I gave it to you. And don't look at it until you leave. That was the two conditions he gave him. And so he went for, for lunch. Some, some couples in that church invited him to go for lunch. And during lunch, there was one man sat beside him, kind of leaned, leaned in and said, Hey, how much was that offering that you got? And uh, Pastor Morris kind of reluctantly told him how much it was. It's kind of an awkward question. And then, uh, and then he's, the, the man said, I want to see the check. And for some reason, and he says this himself, he says, I don't know why I lied, but I said, it's in the car. <laughs> and the man looked at him and said, it's not in the car. You gave it away, didn't you? He said, how did you know that? He said, well, God told me that you were going to do that. And before the service I wrote out a check for your ministry. He gave him the check. And it was exactly 10 times the amount of the offering. And he said, Robert, God's teaching you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And let me tell you, I don't know of any material better than pastor Robert Morris on giving. I really don't. But what an what an incredible lesson. If we could just understand that it all belongs to him. If we could just get that into our brains and our spirits and just understand that he's a good father and that he's our provider. And we can trust his name. And we can trust his love. We're going to be a church that's going to be able to give the way that God wants us to give. And he's going to be able to bless us the way that he wants to bless us. Amen? Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, one of the common reasons I think people, people don't give is because they believe I can't afford to give, and and some of you are thinking right now. Believe, (laughs) I know that I can't afford to give. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Um, And so, please don't be mad at me. But I think I think most everyone finds themselves in those situations at some point in their lives, and and we know that absolutely it could be because of life circumstances. Does life sometimes punch you in the gut? Yeah, and and can we also though admit that sometimes we're in those those positions because of bad stewardship, because we make mistakes with money? Isn't it funny how those kind of sometimes go together? Like you just you just uh, you know buy a timeshare in Venezuela, and then your car breaks down. It's like maybe I shouldn't have bought that timeshare that I'm never going to go to, and. Um, and so honestly, I, I, I would probably say it's a little bit of both. Is that, is that honest? For, for me in my life, okay, that's, that's been how it's been. It's been a little bit of life and a little bit of dumb decisions by breath, right? And that's why I married Charity, so I can have, so I can have money. If I didn't have married Charity, I would have no money. Okay. And, and so um, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But if you're in that position, right? Because you're saying, well, this is all good. That's a great story, Pastor. But I just, I can't afford to give. Okay. If you're in, if you're in that position, I, I'm going to give you two things that you can do that I believe 100% will redeem your finances and eventually bring you back to a place that you can give the way God wants you to give. Two things. Ready? Number one. Repent. Just repent. Take accountability. God, I'm sorry. I blew it. I was a bad manager of your money. Please forgive me. Repent. Now, God, I want to do it your way. Okay? Number two, give. So it doesn't make sense. I just said I can't afford to give. Right? And, and, and see, what, what we, our tendency is the tighter it gets with money, the tighter we Squeeze the money, right? But how many of you know that God has a different kingdom than this kingdom, right? And so God says, "I don't want you to squeeze it." He said, "I want you to give it." And when you give, I'm going to give back. Good measure, press down, shaken together, and running over. That's a a giving principle, right? Like Luke Luke six thirty seven thirty eight. We always quote that 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 that's. That's actually about giving forgiveness, but it's a giving principle, okay? It, and, and so, um, <clears throat> how many of you know that's true? How many of you know that's true that when you give, God gives back to you? How many of you know that it is impossible? Please hear me. It is impossible to outgive God. It's impossible. Probably because he owns and we own. Right? So, so how can we all give him? Okay. But in order to do that, in order to do that, some of us might need to make some changes to our budget and reprioritize some things in our life. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying tithe and offering. I'm saying just give. I'm saying just give. Right? And so you might have to you might have to cut out the Starbucks and the Tim Hortons a couple times a week. Okay? You might have to let go of Disney Plus for a little while and Netflix and whatever. Right? You might even have to take back, and it might be a little embarrassing, but you might have to take back or, or sell some of those bad decisions you made about buying stuff that you shouldn't have bought. Okay? And maybe your contribution is... 20 bucks a month. Or maybe it's less than that. Do you know why that's okay? Because God can do so much with a little. Did you hear what he did with the boys' lunch? He fed 5,000 people. Right? And we should never be ashamed of the amount. Ever. Ever. How many of you know it doesn't matter the amount, right? But but we should not be ashamed about trying to obey God. Is that right? And And whether it's thousands of dollars or whether it's loose change, God is never impressed with the amount, but he's impressed with the heart of a cheerful giver. Amen? And so once someone understands God's principles of giving, and that person gives faithfully God's way and sees what God can do with a little, do you know that their confession begins to change? Right? Instead of confessing, I can't afford to give, they start to say, I can't afford not to give. How many of you in this room, your confession has changed? How many of you, your conviction is I can't afford not to give? Go ahead, raise your hand. I can't afford not to give, right? I mean, and I'm not trying to brag here. It's not even a temptation for me to not give because it scares me. Like I can't afford to not give. Okay, attendance, giving, and the third is serving. We're almost through here. How many of you were, were the athlete, that athlete on the team that, that never, uh, never got to, to get in the game, but you're always on the bench? How many of you, how many of you, that, that's you. You're, you love sports, but you just, you just never quite got it in the game. Trevor, Trevor Ennis. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, man. Is that, is that why you play volley, volleyball? I'm sorry, man. Listen, hey, hey we love you. We love you, buddy. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) he was picking on me during communion. Did you see what he did when he walked by me? Anyway, I'm not gonna get into it. Um, And so that's what happens. You just come into a sermon as soon as you pick on me. And so at King's Corner, you don't have to sit on the bench. At King's Corner, you get to get into the game. Everyone's gonna have an opportunity to serve. Okay, I'm gonna throw a few more stats at you, okay? Before COVID... Before COVID, the average percentage of church volunteers, this is in churches in North America, was between 39 to 47%. That's adults and students, okay? Currently, the average percentage of church volunteers is around 34%. 34%. And so that's actually risen about 20% in the last couple years. So COVID obviously made a huge impact there, Okay. So, 34%. So, anything above 40 to 41% would be considered absolutely above average. So, at King's Corner Church, we've got around 234 people in our congregation. Okay, that's 191 adults and students, 12 and older. Okay, and then we've got about 43 kids. Okay, and I'm, I, I think that's pretty accurate. So our volunteer team, it's called the Dream Team. Okay, the Dream Team. And so our Dream Team, we've got 144 out of 191 adults and students serving on the Dream Team. That's an average of 60%. 60%. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? Okay, and, and I often brag about our church to other pastors. I know you know me as an incredibly humble person. <laughs> like, I know this is going to shock you, but I brag about you, okay? And other pa- when I tell other pastors these kind of stats and that we've got this much people serving, they are blown away. They are shocked. They're shocked, okay? And so actually, and you know what, it's, it's even higher though, isn't it? Because this is just the people that actually serve on a team, okay? But there's lots of people that still serve in the church, like when they prepare a meal for the caring ministry, or they provide a snack for VBS, or they, they clear the parking lot of snow, right, for free, right? Or, or they, they go make lunches every month for street ministry. So there's, there's lots more people actually than that 60%. So we're actually doing even better, okay? Okay? And just to be clear, I want us to understand, there are also legitimate reasons to not be in the game. There's also legitimate reasons sometimes to be on the bench. Right? And, and, so, and so maybe you're new to King's Corner. That, that might be one. You're just trying to figure out if you're even called to come here, if you're even, you even know, want to get on board. Right? Another one is you're burnt out. When you get burnt out, you need a rest. Like, like in, in basketball, when I go on my shift... I play basketball, but I do hockey shifts. Uh, So I don't know if you know what that means, but it's like like after a minute, I'm ready to come off (laughs) because I'm tired and I need to sit on the bench for a little bit, right? And so when you get to that place where you're just tired or you're grumpy and you're snappy and you've got zero patience for people, it's time to take a break, right? Just take a break. We still value you. We still love you. But just come sit on the bench for a little bit, you know. So that's legit. Another one could be is you're hurt. You're hurt by church. You're hurt by life, and sometimes people just need time to heal. Is that true? Sometimes we just need time to heal, right? So so we're we're not like you know kicking everyone off the bench, right? But I just want everyone to understand that that you can you can be in the game. That's all, right? At Kings Corner Church, and and. You come on the bench for a little while, but we can't stay on the bench, right? And, and Jesus showed us that example in John 13, 14 to 15. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Mark 10 says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, This is what followers of Jesus do. They serve. Right? And so so one thing that that we do to help people, and I'm almost through here, one thing we do to help people to figure out where they can serve, it's the growth track. Okay, the next growth track is going to be September 24. And if you're new here, don't worry. I've got you on my list. I'm going to invite you personally, send you a a personal invite to the growth track. And, And so... And so, something that has absolutely impresses me is in the in the eleven years that we've offered the growth track, um, there's been there's been three people that have said this to me. So so we sit down, we have a little interview time, and we're saying, so is there somewhere you feel you'd like to serve? We go through the different ministries, all that kind of stuff. Three people have said this to me. I don't care where you put me. I just want to serve. That blows me away. That's the servant attitude, right? They say, I, "Tell me the greatest need. I want to serve there." Wow, wow, that's the heart attitude that gets the win. That that gives me shivers. That gets my motor running. Anybody else? <laughs> That's the heart of a true servant. A true servant doesn't want thanks. They're just thankful. My mom was telling me that this year, this past year, my mom, Verna, she leads the, she, she lead the hospitality team. And uh, she told me this past year she called someone on her team to replace someone last minute like it was last minute, to serve. And this person said, absolutely, thank you for giving me this opportunity to serve. <laughs> Come on. Come on, that's, that's King's Corner. That's our church, right? And so we have a culture of people here that we understand that we don't have to serve, but we get to serve. Amen. Rick Warren said this, in serving in ministry, God doesn't just offer us an opportunity of a lifetime, but he offers us an opportunity beyond our lifetime. We have an opportunity to impact eternity right now. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Three musts, three musts to reaching our potential at King's Corner. Choose to be unselfish, love intentionally, and be committed. Be committed. I just want to say, I am so proud of you. I am so thankful that God lets me be a part of this. And God is so proud of you. And he is going to do incredible things through you for the kingdom of God this year. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do is I want to end our, our, our service here the way we started the sermon, okay, with that video. That's right, Jamie Ray. Okay? So we're gonna we're gonna start a, a slow clap, okay? We're gonna start a slow clap. Just just you know just just hold on a second. Just just let's just let's just understand where where we're going before you start going there. Okay, so we're gonna do a slow clap, Pastor Phil, and then and then uh, and then we're gonna get faster and faster, okay? And then we're gonna start cheering. Why, why would we start cheering? What? Because God is good. Absolutely. Because we're about to go kick some butt. Amen? As a church. Okay? This is our pre-gamer, right? Pre-game. This is our pre-game chant. Okay. Are you guys ready? So what we're going to do, and then we're going to finish it after we cheer, we're going to finish it with a loud Jesus. (laughs) Sound good? Now we can't do this sitting down. So everybody, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Okay, let's, let's take our time with it. Let's take our time with it. Okay, okay, just you guys, we're not, we're not clapping in unison yet. We all clap our own paid, and then we get in unison. Okay, are you guys ready? Okay, here we go, here we go. Here we go, let's go! All right. Yeah. Good job, guys. Way to go. Okay. Our worship is going to come up. They're going to sing one more song. Our prayer team is going to be standing by. Our service is officially dismissed. God bless everyone.